When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there, and welcome back to another Headlines episode where we're covering the need-to-know environmental news headlines in under 15 minutes. Let's get right into it today. We have a lot of stories to cover Let's start with the new type of fracking that's on the scene. It's called monster fracking, and it is using up an awful lot of water. To get oil, you need water, lots of it. And water is already being depleted at astounding rates thanks to industrial farming and cities in search of drinking water. And so let's back up and just remind ourselves what fracking is and how it works. Fracking is shorthand for hydraulic fracturing, and that's what happens when cracks in and below the Earth's surface are opened up and widened by injecting water, chemicals, and sand at high pressure. Now, fracking has turned America into the world's largest oil and gas producer. We have surpassed Saudi Arabia. Supporters of fracking say it has strengthened America's national security and created an awful lot of jobs. However, fracking has long been controversial. You know it's true. The process of cracking the bedrock by injecting chemical-laced water into the ground can, of course, lead to spills and leaks. It can affect local geology, can lead to earthquakes. I could go on and on. But how ironic is it that we're using lots of water to create fossil fuels when it's the fossil fuels that are causing climate change and are further straining our freshwater resources? How ironic. Well, This news story today has to do with monster fracking, which is the new type of fracking on the scene. It is now considered the industry norm, and two out of three fracking wells in Texas these days are monster fracks. Monster fracking as a technique happens when you first drill downward And then horizontally for thousands of feet, monster fracking, you likely guessed it, extracts more fossil fuels, but it also requires much more, enormous amounts more, water. Now, a New York Times investigation, which was released just last week, found that fracking wells have increased their water usage sevenfold. Sevenfold, seven times since 2011, because adopters have adopted monster fracking. Together, oil and gas operators reported using 1.5 
trillion, hold on to your hats, 1.5 trillion gallons of water since 2011, and much of it is coming from those underwater aquifers. Fracking a single oil or gas well now using monster fracking techniques can use as much as 40 million gallons of water or more. Now let's talk about Texas, where two out of three fracking wells are now monster fracking wells. As the planet warms, scientists have indeed predicted that Texas will face higher temperatures, more frequent, more intense droughts, as well as a decline in groundwater recharge. If you add fracking and its water demands on top of that, the problem gets pretty significant, doesn't it? The state's groundwater supply is expected to drop one-third by 2070. And here's where things get really crazy to me personally. Texas knows droughts, and even as droughts grip Texas and surrounding regions, many communities have and do institute water restrictions for residents, right? Use less water, don't water your lawn on these days, don't water your lawn at all, et cetera, et cetera. However, in Texas, fracking and using water has continued to be allowed unabated. So the citizens are restricting their water use and scrimping and saving every drop, while the fracking industry continues to use millions and millions of gallons of water without restriction. Now, some experts have indeed warned that Texas's water issues will constrain oil and gas production. Because remember, you need the water to extract the fossil fuels. So nobody's caring right now, but perhaps maybe we'll finally care about all the water we're wasting when oil and gas production in Texas comes to a stop. So that's story number one, all about monster fracking. Now we're moving on to a story about vaccines and horseshoe crab blood. I want to say at the outset of this story that we will be discussing in graphic detail the bleeding out of horseshoe crabs. And so if that is something that you don't want to hear, please skip ahead four minutes. So vaccines at the moment are still tested with horseshoe crab blood, but the industry is finally changing. Pharmaceutical companies in the U.S., could soon have easier access to synthetic alternatives to horseshoe crab blood, which is that key ingredient used to test vaccines and medical devices for contamination. On August 22nd, the regulatory body that's in charge of setting national safety standards announced it would make it simpler to use these synthetic alternatives. This new standard is expected to take Hold by 2024, and it is one of several changes enacted since NPR, National Public Radio, reported in June on the lack of oversight in the horseshoe crab blood harvest on the East Coast. So let's talk about horseshoe crab blood and why it's used to test vaccines. Horseshoe crabs have milky blue blood, and it is the only known natural source of LAL, which is a substance that detects a contaminant called endotoxin. If even tiny amounts of endotoxin, which by the way is a type of bacterial toxin, so if even a tiny amount of endotoxin makes its way into a vaccine or any other injectable drug, the results for the human being can be deadly. 
the blue blood of the horseshoe crab will clot when it comes into contact with bacterial toxins. So this helps technicians identify contaminated products so we're not injecting it in human beings. Every year, pharmaceutical companies catch half of a million Atlantic horseshoe crabs, then they bleed them and return them to the ocean, after which many of them will die. In the bleeding facilities laboratories, technicians pierce the crabs through their hearts and drain them alive, sometimes for eight minutes, which can deplete them of more than half of their volume of blue blood. Depending on the state where they're taken from, some of the crabs are returned to the ocean afterwards, whereas others are sold for bait. Now, in addition to the ethical implications of killing half a million crabs, a rare bird is also being threatened by loss of their food, which again is the horseshoe crab eggs. A migratory shorebird called the red knot depends on access to horseshoe crab eggs to fuel their migration from the bottom tip of South America to the Canadian Arctic. These birds cannot find the horseshoe crab eggs on beaches if the crabs that typically lay the eggs are captured for bleeding. Red knot bird numbers have declined by 94% over the past 40 years, and the species was designated as threatened by the federal government. Now let's go back to that hopeful synthetic alternative to LAL, which hopefully will save the crabs, save the birds. This synthetic alternative was invented decades ago, which personally makes me angry saying that out loud. We could have saved these animals decades ago. And even though, you know, these synthetic alternatives were found decades ago, Drug companies that wanted to use them faced extra regulatory hurdles in the U.S., so essentially they kept using majority LAL. Now that the U.S. is making it easier to use synthetic alternatives, this will hopefully discourage the use of crab's blood in testing. We have time for one more super quick, super sad story before our ad break, and then we'll be back. But climate change is driving frogs and other amphibians to extinction. A new research study out this week found that between 2004 and 2022, rising temperatures became the main reason that more than 100 amphibian species are slipping toward extinction. The reason? Well, amphibians, by definition, are soft-skinned creatures. They lack scales and fur and feathers to regulate their temperature and moisture levels, so they are more susceptible to rising temperatures. We're going to take our quick ad break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about President Biden's new climate corpse. We're also going to talk about a new humane education program unrelated to the climate corpse that teaches teens about ethical farming and animal care. We'll be back in a minute. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection 
They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. And we're back before the break. We discussed mega fracking. We discussed testing vaccines for safety with horseshoe crab blood. And we discussed rising extinction rates among amphibians thanks to climate change. Now we're on to Climate Corps. Two weeks ago, President Biden announced an initiative to train more than 20,000 young people in skills crucial to combating climate change, such as installing solar panels, restoring coastal wetlands, retrofitting homes to be more energy efficient. And after being thwarted by Congress, Biden did indeed use his executive authority to create this New Deal-style American Climate Corps that will serve as a major green jobs training program. The American Climate Corps is an interagency partnership between AmeriCorps, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, and the Departments of Labor, Interior, Agriculture, and Energy. Sounds pretty good, right? Well, how does it work? As part of a recruitment push, the White House launched a new website where Americans can sign up to learn more about the workforce training program. I have linked to it in the show notes if you know any young people who might be interested. All participants in the program will be paid, and officials did emphasize that the program will help young people secure high-quality jobs after their training is complete. The White House's National Climate Advisor said the initiative will help train the next generation of electricians, which is particularly important because our country at the moment does face a dire shortage of electricians. And on top of that, they are needed to install all these climate-friendly technologies, heat pumps, efficient air conditioners, electric car chargers, etc., Now, where on earth did the idea for the Climate Corps come from? 
1933, President Franklin D. Roosevelt established the Civilian Conservation Corps, which put more than 3 million young men to work planting trees, constructing trails, and making improvements to the nation's infrastructure. However, this plan limited leadership roles to white men, whereas the Climate Corps, Biden's Climate Corps, will hopefully, quote, uplift and empower a diverse and inclusive workforce. Another key distinction between the original FDR-era Civilian Conservation Corps and the new Climate Corps is that unlike the 1930s, the U.S. economy is not in an economic depression at the moment. The U.S. unemployment rate was 3.8% in August, which is quite low by historical measures. Now, one of the first major partnerships under Biden's American Climate Corps is between AmeriCorps and the U.S. Forest Service to establish the Forest Corps. This is a five-year, $15 million interagency agreement. The first cohort of 80 members is set to begin service in the summer of next year, 2024, and it will deploy across America to conserve national forests and grasslands, to mitigate risks of wildfires in high-risk regions, and support reforestation efforts and wildfire crisis response. So again, I will link to the Climate Corps and everything you need to know in this week's show notes. Before we say goodbye, I want to highlight one new program for young adults. It is about humane education, and it is teaching ethical farming and animal care to teenagers. High school students in New York will spend the academic year learning about sustainable agriculture and ethical farming while bonding with rescue cows and pigs and goats and sheep. This program is an alternative to traditional 4-H or FFA, Future Farmers of America programs. Each year of the program will focus on a certain topic, such as the ethics of eating, climate change, eco-anxiety, farmed animal welfare, and other challenges and solutions related to these topics. Students will attend hands-on workshops at local sanctuaries and participate in activities like animal care, habitat cleanup, veterinary demonstrations, community gardening, vegan cooking classes. I could go on and on. The students will meet once a month at the Catskill Animal Sanctuary in New York's Hudson Valley. And I found this interesting, and I did want to mention it today because it's a vegan alternative to 4-H, let's say. They promote caring for animals, not raising them to slaughter and eat them. And so I have also linked to this new program in the show notes as well on the off chance you know a teenager in upstate New York who might be interested. So that's our show for today. Listeners, we will be back on Tuesday where we are discussing prevention a lifestyle focused on prevention as opposed to prescription. I will see you then. Reach out if you need me. Have an amazing weekend. Hug your loved ones and take care.